Welcome to another episode of the Proverbs for Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Adam Peak, where uh, almost every Saturday I uh, go through a corresponding chapter of the book of Proverbs and discuss how it pertains to our life. Um, I try to focus in on uh, the lives of business professionals. Uh, however, uh, the book of Proverbs is often not as uh, easy to do, and so I just end up talking about current issues sometimes. Uh, like I said, I try to do this every Saturday. Uh, recently, my life's gotten a little bit busier um, with uh, with some cool events uh, to do a live TED Talk next Saturday. And so been planning for that. We've had some uh, vacation and birthdays. And so I'm trying, everybody, I'm trying to get there. Uh, today is September 12th. Uh, I would be a totally remiss if I did not acknowledge um, the life-changing event that happened on September 11th, 2001. It was kind of uh, cool because my son had a uh, school project where he had to interview me, and and I just walked through that day. Um, and I'm sure like a lot of us uh, who are in kind of our late, mid to late 30s uh, and older, that's definitely a day, you know, you see a lot of like, we never forget. And then there's people on social media saying like, we forgot. And I don't know, I don't know about all that. I know that I have not forgotten um, the day. And uh, even there was a time, I think it was in 2017, maybe it was. Um, oh, shoot. No, it wasn't 2015, maybe. Whenever Derek Jeter's last season was, and I got to go to a Yankees game. Uh, on 9-11 in New York City. And I remember the feeling of unrest getting on a subway and thinking, this is still, this is still with me. Um, and, and it still is uh, to this day. So um, let's get into Proverbs uh, chapter 12. Uh, we're going to go through kind of three sections of verses and how they all uh, come together. This will be a, a lot more focused on the business professional and how to kind of carry and conduct ourselves in the workplace. So uh, I want to start with verses 1, 2, 15, and 17. Uh, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> pretty, pretty clear cut there from, uh, from Solomon. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil... Uh, a man of evil devices, he condemns. So you see these contrasts here that we should love discipline. And when we love discipline, it means we really love knowledge. And if we don't want reproof, if we don't want to be corrected, then we are stupid. And this is from the ESV, which is not a dynamic uh, equivalent translation. This is more of a literal translation. This is a very harsh word in Hebrew, um, this idea of being stupid. And so we should be seeking out, this is a common theme throughout all of Proverbs. I'm going to repeat it a lot. And I need to repeat it a lot because I don't think it's a natural state of uh, specifically Americans um, that we seek out correction, that we desire to be disciplined and, and we want to know where are we wrong. Um, I think that question gets asked a lot 
but we don't really want the honest answers because our brains are, are wired to think we're the best and nobody else is, is better than us. Uh, and, and that takes a transforming of the mind. It takes a, a heavy dose of humility to actually seek out correction. Uh, we see in verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So, so this is the question. Who do we want to be at, at your job? Do you want to be, you know, that know-it-all who walks around like they have every single answer? Or do you want to be the person who is seek truly seeking advice, not condescendingly seeking advice, but truly honestly seeking advice and, and desiring that kind of knowledge? The first, the former, is described as a fool who is stupid, the person who just walks around. Uh, so uh, Solomon, I think, would unequivocally say, don't be that guy. You know, don't be that person. Uh, you should be in humility, uh, seeking out wisdom and knowledge and discernment. Whoever speaks, tr- whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. So when we are asked to give advice, uh, as knowledgeable people, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you give this to me? You should give it to them and you speak the truth, but in love, give honest evidence, be as objective as possible with somebody. This is why in, in a sales environment, I really love some of the programs that will uh, record and transcribe every sales call. I don't currently have that, but I think it's really powerful because it holds people accountable. It's not a big brother thing. It could be used as a big brother thing, but it shouldn't be. It should be used as a sense of training and in a way to find people who honestly desire to get better each and every day. Um, I heard I heard a story uh, yesterday. I was talking with a coworker of mine. His name's Brendan, and. Uh, he was telling me uh, he works in the wine label business and he shows me this picture and he, it's this him and a gentleman who's been a winemaker for 50 years and uh, in a really high level. Like everyone who's everyone, I guess, in the winemaking business uh, has learned from him. And I was like, except for Jesus. Uh, so never mind. Um, <laughs> so he said that he was at lunch with him and he's been asking him now for, for years, I mean, decades really, um, what is your best wine? What's the best vintage that you've ever made? And he would always tell him, the next one that I make, the next one that I make, that's, that's going to be my best. That, that is such a powerful attitude to carry with us. When is your best day of work? The next day you show up, that's going to be your best even if you feel awesome or if you feel awful wins that that is a, that is a an empowered optimistic mindset um just like that winemaker when is your next vintage uh or what 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 is your best vintage the next one i make and even in his retirement he said all right finally you can tell me just lay it all out there and he said the same thing i'm telling you it's the next vintage the next one that i make i love that and this idea of a great work ethic um, and sort of an optimistic uh, work uh, work ethic is 
is really powerful in verse 11 in Proverbs 12. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And then in verse 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. And so seeking out advice and and having, uh, I would say, good work ethics, meaning how do you work and why do you work, is incredibly important. And it has to be paired with a good work ethic, meaning you can't just talk about it. You've got to be about it. You know, you've got, you have to show up and be diligent in your job. Um, I think Proverbs is, again, the whole Bible really is, is incredibly clear for the Christian. It, we should be the ones who are working at, every, at everything as unto the Lord and not to anybody else. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians, um, am I trying to please God or please man? Am I, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a bond servant, a doulos for Christ. So this should be our, not just our attitude, our, our ethics, but it should also be our work ethic. And when we, when we bring those two together and we bring that into the workplace, I, I think it's really powerful. It doesn't mean that you're going to, if you're in sales, you're going to crush your quota. It doesn't, there, this, isn't, this isn't a thing to do so that you get the thing that you want. The thing that you should want is to be that person who is working hard and, the, and, and whatever happens, the repercussions of that, you just trust to, to God, you trust to process, you trust to all that. Because um, you can't control the outcomes. You can control your effort and your attitude. So uh, when we do this, I think that this is a righteous way to work. And we see in verse 28, at the end of Proverbs 12, in the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there is no death. Uh, This is a common theme, again, repeated throughout the Bible. But isn't that what we really want? Don't we want to experience life at work? We don't want it to be this soul-crushing career. Nobody wants that. And, And I think that this is perfectly embodied by Brother Lawrence, in his book, it's a, it's a Christian classic. If you've never read it, I had, it's short, but it's powerful. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. And he was a dishwasher. This, is, this, this isn't like a, hey, go out there and get your dream job, and then finally you'll be satisfied. This is about learning to be content. This is about you can, you can do the things that you need to do, whatever your job title may be. It doesn't guarantee you a promotion. It doesn't guarantee you a pay raise. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get that huge commission check or anything like that. But what it does guarantee, I believe, is that when you work at everything is unto the Lord, when you show up, when you work with compassion, when you're seeking knowledge, when you're, when you're working with humility, when you want to get better, if you show up and say, today is my best day of work, I believe that there is life in that, and I believe that is righteous, and I believe it is a great way to live and to work. So that's all I got for you today. Uh, next week, we will be in Proverbs uh, 19. If I, I should be able to get around to it, um, it, is, uh, it is the day of the live TED Talk, but I think I'll have time to, to knock out the podcast as well. So uh, if I don't, then it'll be on to Proverbs uh, 26, and we will... Uh, talk with you then. Thanks so much. 